0: come to the time in our service in which we hear and we receive the word of god today our scripture comes from the gospel of mark chapter 1 verses 32 through 39 this is mark chapter 1 verses 32 through 39 let's give our attention to the reading of god's holy word that evening after sunset many sick and demon-possessed people were brought to jesus the whole town gathered at the door to watch So Jesus healed many people who were sick with various diseases, and he cast out many demons. But because the demons knew who he was, he did not allow them to speak. Before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up and went out to an isolated place to pray. Later, Simon and the others went out to find him. When they found him, they said, everyone is looking for you. But Jesus replied, we must go on to the other towns as well, and I will preach to them too that is why I came. So he traveled throughout the region of Galilee, preaching in the synagogues and casting out demons. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Amen. You all may be seated. Let us pray. And so, Lord, we do pray for your goodness, your faithfulness. Lord, we pray that your spirit would be with us as we still ourselves, as we still our minds and our hearts, Lord, speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. Amen. So I don't know how many of you know what happened on the 16th of September in 1893, but I do. Does anybody know? That was the Cherokee Strip land run. Now, the reason why I know what the 16th of September of 1893 was, was when I was in at Hoover Elementary in Enid, Oklahoma, in the fourth grade, my music teacher wrote a song to celebrate the centennial of the land run. Now, we had a little land run at our school, and and we had other aspects of, of celebration, but it's still, there may only be two people in the world who remember the song that Mrs. Gooch wrote, and that would be me, And my sister. But it goes like this. On the 16th of September in 1893 is a day to remember just for you and me. The pioneer settlers came to set the land on the Cherokee Strip where Oklahoma was begun. And that is a song that every couple years, my sister and I will sing back and forth at one of those weird family gatherings. And the rest of us just, everybody else just looks and says, you crazy people, right? But it's amazing how songs and, and other things just sort of sit with us sometimes. And and, and as part of that celebration, Enid Oklahoma wanted to, to do it right. And so they, they had a concert, and we went to the, the concert concert. Um, At the high school, starring none other than one of Oklahoma's finest Vince Gill. Now, I had never been to a concert before, and uh, so I was just excited and uh, just loved the the concert, and that's how my love of 90s country began. Now, um, I I remember a few things about that concert. One is from a distance, I thought Vince Gill looked like Dan Marino. Um, Also, um, I, uh my, my dad t- will tell you afterwards, he said, he, I went up to him and, and I told him, I said, Dad, I don't know what a, what a honky-tonk is, but I liked all the songs with honky-tonks in it. Um, and shortly thereafter, I did, uh, my parents got me the Vince Gill cassette tape um, that had I Still Believe in You. And then shortly thereafter, we got the Garth Brooks cassette tape, um, The Chase, and that became part of just um, how I enjoyed and loved 90s country. And so it was probably about 15 years after that, Heather and I, we are at a concert, and it has Jeremy Camp and Mercy Me and Amy Grant. And during Amy Grant's set, she invited her husband, Vince Gill, to come out and sing. Now, there was, there was certainly part of me that wanted him to sing, like, I Still Believe in You or Don't Let Your Love Start Slipping Away, all right, or one of those honky-tonk songs that I love so much. But instead, he got out there in his guitar... And in his beautiful tenor voice, he said, if ever there was a worship song, this is it. And he sang the song that we just sang. In the morning when I rise, give me Jesus. You can have all this world, but give me Jesus. And and I just remember just sitting there, just sort of entrenched of, if is this song true, and if it is true, then what does it mean? That, that when we are alone, what we need is Jesus. When we come to die, just give me Jesus. When I am afraid, give me Jesus. And so over the next seven weeks, we're just going to be focusing on this idea of how Jesus meets us in our mourning, in our places of need, and in our life. And throughout this sermon series, this is a statement I want to be true for me that actually is not quite true for me is that if all I have is Jesus, I have all I need. If all I have is Jesus, then I truly have all I need. But there are so many things that I try to fill my life with that if Jesus, if I try to hold on to Jesus, I have to let go of something else. And that's hard for for me, that's hard for you, that is hard for us to do. There are so many things that get in the way of us being with Jesus. And maybe one more than anything else is this busyness. You know, it's so strange to to me that that the most common answer to the question, how are you, that I either give or receive, is busy. How are you? Busy. That doesn't describe to me how you are. Right? But this is the world that we live in is that we are busy, busy, busy busy going all the time. Jesus came so that we may have busy lives and have them in a rush. Of course not. But why do we live like that's true? Corey Ten Boom once said, if the devil can't make you sin, he'll make you busy. Because it does the same thing. It keeps your time, attention away from God. And in our Western society, in the world that we live in, especially with social media, especially with technology, especially that I'm guessing in this five minutes that I've started to preach, you have prob- some of you have already been notified by your devices. We are becoming more and more distracted people, and we are living lives that, as one person said, that we are too alive to die and too dead to really live. And so you and I are in a rush, and we are hurried, and we have, we have missed having abundant lives for having busy ones and hurried ones. Our lives are over capacity, and we cannot receive the overwhelming love of Jesus. And so what gets in the way of being with Jesus? I think there's probably many things that could get in the way of being with Jesus, but I, I thought of a, a few of them. Um, that that get in our way, that that we prioritize our life and our schedule around. One of those is achievement. We want to accomplish things. We want to be people who produce and accomplish, and we believe our worth comes from what we produce or what we accomplish. And so what happens when when somebody wins the Super Bowl is, is they say, are you going to repeat? It's not that, hey, you just had this great achievement. It's what's your next achievement? We always are thinking about the next thing, the next thing, the next thing, And we always have to achieve more or more. Or somebody else has achieved something, and so now we feel we've got to have more and more. Another thing that gets in the way of being with Jesus is this idea of activity. Well, everybody else is busy. I guess that's what life should be like. All these people are doing these things. I guess that's what should happen. Nobody else is taking their vacation time at work. I guess that what we are supposed to do is continue to work. And this idea of being busy keeps us away from being with Jesus. And then I think also that sometimes there's this idea of, of acting, that my worth is how others perceive me. And so I have to be perceived as somebody who is busy or successful or doing or acting or whatever the case may be, and that gets in the way. I'm putting on this performance for others instead of really truly living in this focus of being with Jesus. And so our lives are hectic and hurried and we fill our lives up with so many things Dave Ramsey has said it this way we buy things we don't need with money we don't have to impress people we don't like and so we work and we work and we go and we go now one of the things that I noticed when I got to when I moved to Mustang is that um, in Mustang three-car garages are everywhere Now, some of you may have a third car, but most of us just have more room for more stuff. And storage units keep getting built around this place so that we can store even more stuff that we worked for that we don't need in a place that we're not quite willing to get rid of yet. And so we we, we do all this stuff to fill our lives with things, but do we really and truly have the abundant life that God has called us to? We are called to have full lives, but nowhere in Scripture does it say be busy. And nowhere does it see does it say to be in a rush. Now, there's a book called The Three Mile Per Hour God, because that's who Jesus was. He walked at three miles an hour. Jesus moved with intentionality, but it never said, and Jesus rushed from one place to another. It never says Jesus was in a hurry to get there. In fact, even in critical times when everybody else was rushed, I mean, there was a time in which there was a, 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 a father whose, whose little girl was dying, and, and Jesus was on his way, and he stopped. And when a woman reached out and touched his robe, and everybody else was panicking, but Jesus is walking. In fact, we know it intuitively because nowhere do we say, I want to run with Jesus, but in fact we say we walk with Jesus. But yet we run and we hurry and we hurry all the time. One of the the great authors of spiritual formation in our day is a gentleman, he's passed away now, by the name of Dallas Willard. He's written a lot of books. Some of his books, he's a philosopher, are a little hard um, to get through, so I have to read them multiple times, but... But it's amazing some of the insights that he gathers. And he's one of those people who sometimes has just wonderful ways of saying things. And so there was a pastor who reached out to him and and was going through all of his schedule and wanted to grow in his faith and wanted to do stuff. And, And after a while of talking, he asked Dallas Willard, he said, so what do I need to do to grow in my faith? And Dallas gave that long pause that people Who aren't in a hurry often do. And he said, You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. Pastor said, What else? And he said, That's it. You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. My friends, we must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from our lives it is not the way of jesus it is not the pattern of god it is not the way that god has called us to live in this world and so what happened is is we have filled our lives with so much stuff and oftentimes even good stuff that we wear ourselves out. And I know, um, I know for me particularly, there are some days where it's like, man, I just have so much to do today. Then, then what I'll do is I'll, I'll, I'll skip my time of being with God. Has anybody else ever done this? It's like, man, I've got so much to do. I'll just skip my quiet time in the morning or I'll, I'll just get to all this important work and we'll do all these sort of things and we'll say, God, I hope I find you along the way. When there's somebody who's Martin Luther, who's one of the, uh, he was the founder of the Lutheran church, he said these words, I have so much to do today that I'm going to need to spend three hours in prayer in order to be able to get it all done. I have so much to do. I've got to ground myself and center myself for, for three hours of prayer. And this is who we should be, maybe not three hours every day. You know, I was, as I was reading some stuff this week, they said um, before the light bulb was invented, the average person got 11 hours of sleep. Some of you are like, I've never gotten 11 hours of sleep. But the a- average person got 11 hours of sleep. And so he said, so that made me feel better about all these like saints and other people who got up at four o'clock in the morning. They've been asleep since seven o'clock the night before. But but we do need to be people who center and orient our lives around God. And we see this in the example of Jesus. Jesus showed us the way to live. And so what we see in our scripture that we had is that evening, many sick and demon-possessed people were brought to Jesus. The whole town gathered at the door to watch. Can you imagine this scene? Everybody watching to see what would happen. So Jesus healed many people who were sick, with various diseases and he cast out many demons just an incredible night now one thing we do know about jesus is that when he healed people is that power would leave him and so there is this idea that jesus has to be restored and so here it says in the very next scripture mark 135 before daybreak the next morning jesus got up and he went out to an isolated place to pray Jesus got up, he went out to an isolated place to pray. This was the rhythm of Jesus. Luke 5, 16 says it this way, but Jesus himself would often slip away to the wilderness and pray. That if you knew, if you walked with Jesus, you knew that at some point in time you would say, Jesus, where are you? Oh, he must be somewhere and he must be praying he would be a person who knew that he would need to be restored and energized with God. Now, one of the things that I wondered this week, and, and, and oftentimes when I read Scripture, I, I sort of try to put myself there and I wonder, I wonder what would have happened. And I wonder what that conversation and that prayer was like between Jesus and his Father. And one of the things that I, probably, that I thought probably had to happen was, have you ever just gotten such good news that you can't wait to call somebody? you know, that that something has happened and you're like, I can't wait to tell my friend this. I can't wait to tell somebody this. This is one of those things that makes grief so hard is when we lose somebody that we love and we want to tell them the good news, but we just can't anymore. And I imagine that one of the things that Jesus did in that prayer with his father was that he couldn't wait to talk to his father about what happened the night before. Father, it was amazing. When that woman who was blind and couldn't see, when she came up and everybody was hushed and they didn't know if she too could be healed. They had seen other people be healed, but this woman had been blind for so long and you gave me the power to heal her. Or those demons that we cast out from that young man. Oh, wasn't it incredible? It was amazing. Can you imagine him just celebrating what had happened with his father? But additionally, can you imagine the energy that he got? of being in relationship with an abundant and loving and generous Father to go and do the work. It says that God's mercies are new every morning. And so here Jesus in the morning got up to receive the newness and the fullness of God's mercies. Now, one of the things that was interesting in the the scripture, and and this is a a little footnote part of my sermon, so I'm going to have to get back on track here in a little bit, but I think that this is an important part. And so they they go and find him, and they say, everybody in town is, is looking for you, and they want Jesus to go back to where he was and to do what he did before again. And so, but he says, we must go on to other towns as well, and I will preach to them too. That is why I came. And so do you hear what happened here? The disciples are saying, let's go back to the way it was. Let's go back and do the same thing that worked for us last night. Let's do it again. And Jesus says, no, no, no. I'm called to do a new thing and to move forward. And this is what so often happens here in the church. This is so often what happens with us. Is we say, God, let's go back and do it the way that you did. And Jesus is like, no, 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 no. There are new people I have to reach in new ways, in new places, and new times. That is my mission, is to reach new people. And so the temptation of the disciples as us is to go back. The movement of Jesus is to say, step out forward in faith and go ahead. And so it's easy for us to want back when Jesus is calling and leading us forward. And so, can you imagine what it was like that morning when the disciples wake up and Jesus is gone? Where is he? Where did he go have you did anybody hear the door open last night? Where is he? And they go, and when they find him, they say that everyone is looking for you. And I believe that this is true, is that everyone is looking for Jesus. They are looking for hope. They're looking for a place to belong. They're looking for love. They're looking for meaning, they're looking for purpose. They are looking for Jesus even if they don't know it. And oftentimes we find ourselves looking for Jesus in the wrong places. We, we look for Jesus in all this activity. We look for Jesus in all this wealth. We look for Jesus in all of these other things that we think give our lives meaning and value. And we cannot find Jesus because we are not looking in the right place. When I was a, a, youth, a member of the youth group, I used to play the game sardines. Has anybody ever played sardines? We got a few sardine people in here, all right? Others of you are like, sardines, that sounds gross, all right? Um, so the game sardines is kind of like reverse hide and seek. And so what would happen is we'd have the whole church to ourselves, and, um, and somebody would go hide. Now, if you found the person who hid, all right, you were supposed to hide with them. And then as you kept finding people, then, then people would hide. So, you know, if you were hiding under the piano, which wouldn't be a good place to hide, by the way, um, but if you were hiding under the piano... For multiple reasons one it's exposed two there's lots of chords um and you saw somebody there then you would hide under the piano as well all right and you can imagine this is a terrible game during covid right because you're just everybody crammed as close as possible um together um but but it was it was in this idea and every once in a while when we played sardines we couldn't find the person right we would just and then there was always those like sneaky people in the youth group and maybe you were the sneaky person in the youth group who was like hey we give up right not ready to give up just really you know trying to help them to say something so that they could hide with them but but what happens is is with jesus it's like we're playing sardines and and jesus is in the most obvious place the place he continually would go to and we're looking everywhere else and that is what we do We miss him because he is in the quiet place in the still place in the silent place there was this old song we did in youth group in the secret in the quiet place in the stillness you are there in the secret in the quiet hour i wait only for you because i want to know you more and so if you want to find jesus if you want to find hope if you want to find clarity the answer is not in the more but it's in the less it's in the quietness in the stillness jeremiah says it this way you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart Jesus is findable if we look for him in the right way now how do we find Jesus how do we see him now the first thing is is that we need to make space for him we need to make room for Jesus. Now, I mean this in a couple of different ways. There are probably some of you who you have a prayer closet or a prayer chair or a prayer area where you make room and physical room to be able to, to find Jesus. And this is really important. I think it really matters that we create a space. Now, some of you may not have, I don't have a closet that's available because it's filled with stuff. Um, I, uh, I don't, I, you know, all this, I don't have all this extra space. Well, then make a space that whenever you know that when you sit there with your coffee cup, you're not sitting in the same place you eat for dinner, you're not sitting in the same place that you watch TV, you, you find a different way to adjust yourself so that you make space for God and to get yourself in a rhythm and a habit of doing that. Now, the other thing, and I'm going to even ask you to do it this morning right now, if you are somebody who calendars your life, and you, and, you, and you make phone calendar reminders for everything, then right now, I want you to get your phone out, and I want you to make space for Jesus. So that it'll remind you, and you're like, in 15 minutes, meet Jesus. Because if we don't schedule it, if we don't make space for it, we don't fall into it. And so get your schedule out and make space for what matters most and give yourself that reminder for space. Here I am, I'm going to turn off the other distractions and I'm going to become present. Now, now, as part of that discipline, it's the discipline of solitude, of being alone with God and being alone with your thoughts. Now, this is really, really hard for some of us Now, some of you are like, oh, I love peace and quiet. It's the best thing in the world. Others of us are like, as soon as we walk into a room, we turn the TV on. Um, There are some of you who you drive and you don't have your radio on. You guys are weird to me. Because as soon as I get in a car, I want my music to click on or I want my podcast to click on or something to just hear the sounds of the street. Oh, I can't do that. I am somebody who is so disciplined to have noise that solitude terrifies me. And when I think about solitude, I mean being alone with God and alone with my thoughts. And and, and I have to discipline myself to that. Because our world has made us incredibly undisciplined to even be with ourselves. There are some of you who are having a hard time sitting here because you pulled out your phone when I told you to and your, your mind and your eyes are like, I got to get back on. All right, what's the wordle for today? I haven't done it yet. Whatever it might be, right? Our minds are there. And so we have, we have untrained ourselves to be still. The average human attention span is eight seconds. The average attention span of a goldfish is nine seconds. Don't ask me how they learned the attention span of a goldfish, but I just feel we should be a little ahead of goldfish, right? So because of of the world, especially the world we live in now, that is so intrusive, we have to discipline ourselves for solitude, to be still. So one of the things, uh, so um, one of the things that I I have is I, I, when we were up in Seattle, I bought this red journal. And I thought, I'm going to use this journal to record my thoughts. So it sat on a shelf for a few months. Have you ever had that idea? I'm going to do something, and then it sits there. And so uh, uh, over, kind of in December, I I, I got my my red journal out, and I said, okay, I'm going to journal. Now, this was This is really a challenge for me, because as I sat there and I got my journal and my pen out, my hand began to shake, because I was so anxious about being alone with myself. And I knew that at this moment I was encountering God and I was going to encounter myself and I was going to process through in the solitude and in the silence I was going to invite God to be with me, but I was so anxious my hand was shaking. Because what happens is, is that when you're not in the discipline of being still, when you are not used to being alone with your thoughts, your thoughts all of a sudden are like, oh, you have a free 20 seconds that you're not looking at your phone? Here, let me flood you with everything. Not just the things I need to do, but the ways in which I failed. Not just the people I've let down, but what I want to have for dinner tomorrow night. And it just overwhelmed me as I sat there and was alone. And so what I needed to do was to be still with God, is to say, God, I need you to speak. And so I get my red uh, journal out and and my hand is shaking and I'm just like, Lord, I just want to be with you. And so I start to write. And it's such a good discipline for me because my hand cannot keep up with my brain. And that forced me to slow down. And I really believe That had I just let myself write in my journal, I would write for hours of just my thoughts, my prayers, my hurts, my gratitude. Once I open those doors, it'd be hard for me to stop because I'm not in the discipline of solitude, of being alone with God and alone with my thoughts. It's been one of the more freeing things. I'm not good at it. It's not something I always do regularly, but it's something I know I need is to be with God and to be still. And I like the idea of having something tactile. Of, of my handwriting's terrible, so if you read my journal, you couldn't even read my personal thoughts probably, which might be good. But it's about being with God in that moment and about being alone. And so often we want to avoid things. And we want to go around things when the only way to get through it is to get through it. In order to heal it, you have to feel it. And you need to be still with God we filled up our lives with activity, with things we think are important, when really they aren't as important as we think so. So we need space, we need solitude, and we need silence. We need to allow the whisper of God to speak in the noise of the world. I really believe the problem is not God speaking. The problem is God being heard. A few years ago, man, I was, I didn't even think about it till right now. Um, we're going to do this. Um, let's see here. Oh, we, we took our kids. Um, well, we left our, okay, well, I'll just tell you about it. It was really good. Um, so a few years ago when I was preaching a sermon, I had um, a son over here and a father over here and I said all right all the father needs to do is just call for the son to walk towards him and so um so he started and he called his name his name was Paul he said Paul come on And so Paul just started walking I had his eyes closed or I had a blindfold on him and so Paul was walking walking across and you know it was real easy when it was silent but then I had the congregation I said all right now I want you guys to make noise and to see if you can hear the voice of the Father in the noise of the world to come. And so as, whenever the congregation was making all this noise, little Paul couldn't hear his dad talking. But I said, what if just for a little bit we pause the noise? And so the congregation, so I, when I held up my hands, the congregation stopped. They were pretty obedient. They weren't always that way, but at least they were that time. And so when I held my hands up, they got quiet, and he said, come on, Paul. And so Paul would take a few steps, and then they, I lowered my hands, and they got loud again. And he sort of paused, and he settled. And then, he, he got, and then I held my hands up, and there was that quietness again. He's like, Paul, come on. And Paul just kept walking and walking and walking. And even though it got loud, at the very end, he knew exactly where his dad was, so that even though it was noisy and even though it was chaotic, he knew exactly how to get to his dad's arms. You see, this is the way we live is there will be noise, there will be chaos, but if we can pull out and have some silence and some peace, we can make it to our Father's arms. This is what Jesus did. He knew that life was going to be busy with all sorts of full and abundant things, but he made time to get away and to get with his Father, who is calling and inviting him to that. And so I want to give you all just some tools to be able to do this. It may be, um, you, you need to find space for space, solitude, and silence. If you're a morning person, it may be in the morning. Maybe you get up a little bit earlier during the season of Lent and you just practice it. This isn't your quiet, this isn't your devotional time where you just get input all the time. This is about being still and letting God speak. Now your mind will wander, okay? Let it wander and then circle it back. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner, and call yourself back. Some way, somehow, call yourself back. Allow if your mind wanders, bring it back. Alright? Because some of us, we're not used to it. We need discipline. Another discipline, and this is a better thing at the end of the day, and maybe some of you have more a chance to be still and quiet at the end of the day, is the daily examining. Um, you, can, you can Google this and find out a lot more um, if you want to, but let me just walk over this normal kind of uh, pattern at the end of a day that could be really helpful for you to again be still to make space and to be silent there's five steps the first step is to become aware of god's presence now there's multiple ways to do this it could be it could be having a memory verse where you just memorize a verse and you do it maybe it is a song that you sing or a part of a song that you sing to kind of center yourself lord i am here with you again the idea is to take you from the chaos and enter into the world. One of the reasons why we do the Apostles' Creed every week is so it's a, it's a reminder that you're in the chaos of the world, but when you hear these words, and sometimes I know you're just saying, you know, and Pontius Pilate, you're not paying attention, but your body and your soul know something is coming. We have to do that with ourselves as well. Maybe it's lighting a candle so we can become aware of God's presence. Now, the next thing that we have to do is to review the day with gratitude, to look back and to be thankful and to notice when God was at work. And we notice when his people were doing something. The third thing is to pay attention to your emotions. There have been times when I'm anxious and I don't even know why. And so I'll be like, why am I anxious today? Ooh, why why was I afraid back then? Why am I so hopeful? What is it that happened that was so hopeful to pay attention to your emotions is the third step. The fourth step is to choose one feature of the day and to pray from it. So it may be one of the emotions, it may be something that you're grateful for, but you're going to use that as a starting place to pray. This isn't your form prayer. This is, Lord, I'm I'm bringing my anxiety to you. Lord, reveal to me why I'm anxious today. Lord, bring me an image of somebody. I'm going to be still and listen. And so we just invite ourselves to pray from it and to let that guide us. And the fifth is to look forward to tomorrow. And so this can be. This is a really good thing at the end of the day to get away and to have that rhythm because that's what we need to do is to get away and to have that rhythm of stillness and silence. Thank you for listening to the Mustang UMC podcast. Once again, our services are at 8.30 and 10.50 a.m. every Sunday morning and we would love to see you there. For more information about the Mustang United Methodist Church, please visit us at mustangumc.org or email us at office at mustangumc.org. That is office at mustangumc.org. We hope you enjoyed.